God bless you, church. Um, it's, um, it's funny because you sit Sunday after Sunday, and then you see people do this Sunday after Sunday. You see your parents do this Sunday after Sunday, and you're like, yeah, 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 that's cool. And then you got to do it, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> but it is truly such an honor and a privilege. Um, if you would have told the young girl who was sitting in the banco, years ago that one day that would be you she would have never believed you <laughs> but here we are because of god's grace and his mercy in my life um but as i was studying for this um i am reminded time and time again that prayer and worship have to be our first resort not our last so i'm going to pray to open us up Dear Heavenly Father, my God, we thank you for being here, Lord. Thank you for your presence that permeates these walls, my God, for your love and for your grace, Jesus. I pray right now in this moment that you open our hearts to receive what you have given us, my God. I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth may not be my own, but be your words, Lord. I pray, Jesus, that this be pleasing unto you and that our worship continues to be pleasing unto you through this day. We love you and we thank you. And in your name we pray, amen. Amen. So today's theme is a genuine worship. We are going to be reading from 1 Samuel um, chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. It's a lot of verses, and I'm going to read it rather quickly, but we're going to keep going back um, and dissecting it a little bit. It's pretty popular, um, and we're just going to get into it. It says this, there was a man from Ramithium Zophium in the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elikanah, son of Jeroam, son of Eliu, son of Tohu, son of Zephu, and Emorite. He had two wives, the first named Hannah and the second named Peninia. Peninia had children and Hannah was childless. This man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of armies at Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priests. Whenever Elkanah offered sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife, Peninia, and to each of his sons and daughters, but gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival would taunt her severely to provoke her because the Lord kept Hannah from conceiving. Year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and would not eat. Hannah, why are you crying? Her husband, Elkanah, would ask. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? On one occasion, Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. The priest Eli was sitting on a chair by the doorstep of the Lord's temple. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me, and give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of my life, and his hair will never be cut. While she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, and though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and he said to her, How long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, my Lord, Hannah replied, I am a woman with a broken heart. 
I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Eli responded, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the request you've made him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer looked despondent. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. Afterwards, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, I requested him from the Lord. And this story is beautiful. But the theme for today is a genuine worship. And oftentimes when we think about worship, we think about the music that comes before and after the sermon. We may even think about our, fa our favorite worship collectives. A lot of people will think, oh, worship, Maverick. Oh, yes, the list can go on, Isla Vista, all the fun peoples. Um, but even times when we think about worship, we think about people. So we'll think about my favorite worship leader. We'll even think about who led worship the Sunday before, or we'll think about a service that had really great worship. Um, but what, that I'm, what I'm learning through this is that worship is much deeper than that. And worship has very little to do with the person who's worshiping and everything to do with the person who is being worshiped. And sometimes we have to kind of shift our focus. And reading Hannah's story, that is what I'm learning. When I was reading, and it says, what does worship really mean? And according to Webster's dictionary, it is an act of expressing such reverence. And then that leads me to say, well, what is reverence? And in the Oxford dictionary, it says, with deep regard or respect. In the passage we read, it's absolutely nothing about gifting or abilities or talents. It's not about song. It's about deep reverence and respect. Hannah was aware of the power and the goodness and the presence of the Lord. And she, lent, she leaned on him with everything that she had because she had this deep respect for Jesus. Her prayer was worship unto God. In the passage that we continue to read, we see that she brought her petitions to Jesus. And one thing that I, I'm so thankful for is God's confirmation. And nothing can ease the nerves like the Lord's confirmation. And on Tuesday's prayer service, the worship team had led and our leaders asked everyone to write their petitions on a card. And they placed the cards on the altar. That act that we did is worship. Us just writing our petitions on the card and saying, Lord, I believe for you to come over my situation is an act of worship. One thing about the Lord is that he knows our inmost beings. We know that he has this power and his goodness, that he is sovereign. But it's easy to forget these things in the midst of our circumstance. It's easy to kind of start to think far away from the Lord and think very heavily on our situation. But with Hannah's example, she starts us off with a prayer. And when I look at Hannah's story and when I look at what she was doing, the first thing that comes to mind is that is such genuine worship. And how can we worship genuinely? 
And that leads us to these three points. From Hannah's story, it says, genuine worship happens when we believe in God's power. Sometimes this can seem like a really no-brainer moment. Of course, God is powerful, but our initial thoughts are sometimes not that. We know that God is powerful. We know that he is almighty and he is great. But sometimes we think of other things. We think how big our mountain is, how deep our valleys are, and we can really be focused on our trials. And even more, sometimes in our, the midst of our struggles, we're not thinking about how powerful God is, but we're thinking how powerful the enemy is. And our first thought would be like, devil not today, and we'll be praying the devil away. And in the midst of our circumstance, we're not thinking God, we're really focused on the enemy. And in Hannah's situation, it was not that. She looked to the Lord. When we look at these verses, it says that the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. We don't know why, we don't know God's plan, and we don't know God's purpose, but we know that it was God who kept her from conceiving. Sometimes God places us in situations and we don't know why. We don't know why things are so hard. We don't know why our hearts are broken so deeply. We don't know why we didn't get the job. We don't know why we're not in this place in our lives that we thought that we would be at this stage in our lives. But verse 6 shows us twice. Um, in 5 and 6, it reminds us that the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. And Hannah didn't go and she pray and say, God, I'm being attacked. Lord, remove this from me. She went to his altar boldly with respect, saying, God, don't forget me. Her heart longed to be in the will of the Lord, but she was honestly expressing her emotion. She was honestly showing the Lord, like, God, I am broken, and I feel like you have forgotten me. Please don't. She kept her eyes on God. She was honest with God. She didn't sugarcoat it and be like, God, I'm waiting patiently, and then in private cry in anguish. No, she went to the feet of Jesus broken. We can admire Hannah for this because she didn't focus on the enemy, because she wasn't focused on the trial. She kept her eyes on the Lord. We must believe in the power of God so deeply that prayer is always our first resort. She believed in the power of the Lord. That's why she prayed. She didn't pray just because it was the thing to do. She believed in God's power. She knew that he was the powerful one. She knew that he was the one that was in control. So she went to the temple and she worshipped him. She worshipped him the way that she knew how, with all that she had. She believed in God's power. And because she believed in God's power, she trusted that he was good. This leads us to our second point of the day. Genuine worship happens when we trust in God's goodness. God's goodness doesn't compare to the goodness that we have here on earth. I'm reading this book. It's very good. 10 out of 10 suggests for everybody in the room. It's called Good or God by John Bevere. And it is about how all the things in our life that may seem good are not always from God. And 
There is a difference between a divine, holy, perfect goodness and the goodness that I understand here on earth. And that was a very hard pill for me to swallow, understanding that my version of good does not mean God's version of good. And that's my pride talking, thinking that I know what's good and that I know that, you know, God, you are good, so I understand. No, we don't understand God's goodness. It is a perfect goodness. When we think about like the human version of good or our earthly idea of good, we can think of a lot of things and these things are good. Some people will say that Hallmark movies make them feel good. Hallmark movies don't make me feel good, but maybe they make you feel good. <laughs> um, but sometimes that's what it is. We see videos on the internet of military families coming home, and that makes us feel good. Um, another thing that can make us feel good is a good meal. We're like, wow, this makes me feel so good. Um, and yes, these are good things, but that is not the goodness of God. A good relationship is not even the goodness of God. God's goodness surpasses all of that and completely surpasses our understanding. God's goodness is not something for us to understand, but it's something for us to trust. And that's what we see with Hannah. She's not understanding God's goodness, but she's trusting his goodness. Our version of goodness usually has immediate satisfaction or immediate gratification. And that is where we need to learn patience. That is what the Lord is teaching me, learning patience. That yes, I am good, but you will not feel it immediately. In the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your trials, I am still good. You may not know it, you may not see it, you may not understand what I'm doing. And it's hard for us to see that God is good when I'm heartbroken. It's hard for us to see that God is good when I'm drowning in debt. It's really hard to see that God is good when I feel like I'm fighting for my life. It's hard to see that God is good in the midst of depression, yes. But just because we don't see it, it doesn't mean that God isn't good. We have to trust in his goodness. We have to trust because he has always been good, he will remain good. <laughs> Hannah was hurting. She came to the Lord and it says, I love, I love this version. Um, every version is very good, but I really love this version. Um, and it says, deeply hurt and she wept with many tears. It didn't sugarcoat it. It didn't make it seem less. We emphasize the fact that she was praying from a place with a, from the depth of her anguish and resentment. She was broken in her situation. And I love reading passages like this because sometimes we read these stories in the Bible and we'll get caught up in the good and all the good that everybody did and how great and faithful people are. And we are like, that's not me. But Hannah is so relatable because I know that in my life, and I'm sure that in everyone's here, that there are moments in our lives where we have wept and we have been in a place filled with anguish and resentment at our situations. But God doesn't reject her. He embraces her. She was brokenhearted. She was distraught. And she wasn't suppressing these emotions from the Lord. 
She was experiencing them deeply and bringing them to the feet of Jesus because she knew that in the midst of her brokenness, in the midst of her hurt, in her anguish and resentment, that God was still good. That's the type of faith that I want to have, the faith to trust God's goodness in the middle of my trial. Her worship wasn't beautiful. It wasn't perfectly tied with a bow. I'm sure that when we come to the altar and we always, we call it like that ugly cry, it wasn't a pretty picture. It wasn't this beautiful melody with a satisfying harmony and it wasn't pretty. It was real. It was a genuine worship. And sometimes when we come to the feet of Jesus and especially here in church, we're like trying to hold back our tears. We'll do that thing where we keep our eyes up to keep the tears from rolling down our face. We're looking for the tissue ministry frantically because nobody can know that we're crying. But that wasn't her. (laughs) Hannah was very vulnerable in the presence of the Lord. She was crying with deep anguish. This not aesthetically pleasing type of worship is comforting for us because we know that this is how the Lord accepts us. We don't have to look great. We don't have to be put together. God is still good when we're ugly crying. God is still good when I'm broken. We have to trust in his goodness in our situation. When we look and it shows us that she was crying so much that she was not even understood. It was, she looked drunk. Like that must have been a sight to see. Um, I'm sure that Eli has seen plenty of drunk people in his time. That, that is the depth of her expression. And today, church, I want to tell you that your emotions, the Lord gave you emotions to feel. He didn't give it to you to suppress. He didn't give it to you to put in a box. He didn't give it to you so you can just hold on to it and make it cause you anxious. No. The Lord gave you your emotions to bring to him, to be transparent with him. It is within our vulnerability and our transparency that our relationship with Christ grows deeper. In regular relationships, if I'm not open and transparent with my partner, with my person, our relationship is going to be real surface and real shallow. This is an example of Hannah bringing her worship to the Lord, being vulnerable, being intimate, saying, Lord, know the deepest parts of my being and who I am. Being broken is part of the human experience. And the Lord knows this, but he doesn't just leave us broken, he creates a space for us. He creates an environment for us to go and meet with him. And Hannah took advantage of this place knowing that she was broken, she was hurting, she was being made fun of for something she totally could not control. And she came to the feet of the Lord. She knew that it was in his presence that she would be fulfilled. It was in his presence that she would find peace. I once heard a preacher say, well, I once heard a preacher say that he heard a preacher say (laughs) that not all things that hurt us are meant to harm us. 
And I couldn't fully understand that until he gave the example of surgery. Surgery hurts. It is not a fun experience. The recovery process is not good. We are being cut open. It is painful, but it saves our lives. I want to let you know that what you're going through today may be hurting you. It may be breaking your heart. You may feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, but I want to let you know today that this event could save your life. We have to be aware that God continues to be good. God's goodness truly is the most awe-inspiring thing. And it is when our pride comes to take place in our lives that we start to lose the awe of God's goodness. It's trusting in his power. It's trusting in his goodness. Believing that what is for you will not pass you because God is still good. How beautiful was our worship this morning. And I am so thankful for a worship team that seeks the Lord and is in one accord with God because they started singing and I was like, wow, God, that's point number two. <laughs> and I was like, yes, God's goodness, the goodness that's constantly chasing after me, that is a goodness that I cannot comprehend. I don't know many people who will sit with me as I ugly cry and break down and I'm just broken. Because in our brokenness, when we're not leaning on God, we're often not ourselves. We start per to project our emotions. We start to feel hopeless when we're not leaning on God, when we're not trusting in his goodness. I start to get overwhelmed. I go into my little bubble. Everything is fine. I'm okay. Yes, God is good. But that's not what God is asking from us. That is not what his goodness is for. It is saying, I am broken. I am hurting. I am resentful. I am angry at God. I also heard a preacher once say <laughs> that it's better for you to be angry with God and talk to him than not talk to him at all. If you're angry with God, let him know. Express yourself. He wants to know. And he wants to remind you of his goodness. You can't be reminded of his goodness if you don't give him a chance. He will not show you his power if you're not seeking him. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. His goodness is great. And it surpasses all our understanding. God will always be good. And in Mark 10, 16, it says, No one is good but one. And that is God. There is no person that you will meet that will be good enough like God. When I think about God's goodness, and the song comes into my head, you know, and what he's done for me when I think about his goodness, and how he set me free, I'm gonna jump, 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 jump all day. I love that because that's exactly what it is. When I think about God's goodness, all I can do is worship. When I think about his goodness, all I can do is praise. And God doesn't want to restrict us. 
He wants us to be fully immersed in his presence. This brings us to point number three. When we believe in God's power, we trust in God's goodness, genuine worship happens when we rest in God's presence. When I think about worship, sometimes, depending on the denomination where you're from, it looks different. What I love about resting in God's presence is still worship. The I'm Hot ministry, which is for young girls, it stands for honest, open, and transparent, had a worship night here. And it was an all-girl band. Everyone was under the age of 30. It was a really crazy experience. And we were worshiping with a bunch of girls. And we were jumping, and we were praising, and we were dancing, and there was such freedom. And we ended the night in silence in the Lord's presence, to rest in him, because God gives us space for all of that. He gives us space to cry. He gives us space to jump. He gives us space to celebrate. He gives us space to express our brokenheartedness, and he gives us space to rest. Hannah's life was not going the way that she had hoped or the way that she intended. She could have run away from God um, because he was the one who was keeping her from conceiving. She could have been like, God, I'm done with this. I'm tired. I'm out. She could have taken her anger out on her, well, not her, on her husband's other wife, um, Penina, because she was making fun of her. She could have been really mean. She said, you don't want to come at my neck? I'm going to come at yours. She could have gone that route. She could have sought out comfort in her husband and been let down time and time again because the comfort that she needed was much deeper than what anybody could give her. But instead, when her heart became too heavy, when it was too filled with resent, too filled with anguish, what did she do? She rested in the Lord's presence. She knew that the only thing that could lift her spirit was God. I want to invite us to rest in the presence of the Lord. Because it's in the presence of the Lord that we find freedom. It's in the presence of the Lord that we find joy. It is in the presence of the Lord where our chains are released, our anxieties are lifted. Psalm 16:11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What's beautiful about this psalm is that it's not guaranteeing us joy right now in this moment. <laughs> because we can be brokenhearted, but still be in the Lord's presence and feel, feel peace. It's not saying you will be happy right now, everything will be great right now. But it says that there are pleasures forevermore. And when I think about eternity, when I think about forever, that is so much grander than my right now. And if I could have either one, I want to have forever. I don't want to have that immediate gratification that my pride tells me good is. I want to rest in his presence forever. When we rest in the presence of the Lord, that is where we find strength and clarity. 
One point that I would like to make looking at Hannah's story. She was in the temple. She is praying. She is brokenhearted. And in the midst of that, she was misunderstood. Sometimes in our lives when we're hurting, we're misunderstood. When we try to express what's going on, people don't always get it. And that's okay. But that could be really discouraging. That in and of itself, Eli coming up to her and saying that, I thought that you were drunk. That could have been reason enough for her to walk away and been like, you don't get it, and stormed out. But when we look at her, um, even though she was misunderstood, she still shared her story with Eli. She told him what was going on in her life, and it was in her sharing that she was blessed. People will fail us. Church with a little C is the building. Church with the capital C are the people. We are the church. But because we are human, we will fail. Your brothers and sisters will misunderstand you. Sometimes they will be discouraging. Sometimes they won't understand. They won't say the right thing. Even though they're good intended, sometimes it's just not right. But in the Lord's presence, there is forgiveness, there is freedom, there is understanding, and there is clarity. And the Lord has given us such a beautiful community for us to open up and share with. The Lord doesn't want us to do life alone. The Lord doesn't want us to suffer in silence. The Lord has given us such a great church, such a great community of people that we can open up to, that we can share with. And it was in her sharing and in her transparency that she then was blessed. She could have corrected him and continued praying. She could have been so discouraged by his comment that she walked away. And I personally have experienced both those things where I was like, no, I'm ignoring you. Let me keep doing what I'm doing. And when I have shared with someone and they were very discouraging to me. And for a long time in my life, I let that sit on my heart. I let their discouraging comment interfere with what the Lord was doing in me. And I look at Hannah and I'm like, that is how I should have responded. I should have been open. I should have been transparent and been like, no, you don't understand. Let me share with you. It's in the presence of the Lord that we are supported. There is no better place to be than in the presence of the Lord. Sometimes we close ourselves off in the presence of God, especially here in church, again, because we're worried about like what somebody else is thinking about us or we're worried about, like, oh man, I don't want that person to think that I'm going through this, 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 and this. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I've been there. But it's the presence of the Lord that we find community. We can't let that some people or the idea of, oh, what'll they think keep us. We also can't let our thoughts, us being those people, us being sitting there or seeing altar call and being like, man, I wonder what they're going through. Or I wonder if it was about that Instagram post that she posted the other day. Like it's, it's not that. There is no space for that in the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord, it is fostering community. It is fostering a wholeness. It is in the presence of the Lord that we are fulfilled. 
We have to remember that when we are open the way that Hannah was, that it is then we will be blessed. How can the Lord fill us up and give us a blessing if we're filled with all the other things? If I am filled to the top with anxiety, the Lord cannot give me peace. I have to release it. If I'm filled to the top with anger, how am I going to have community if I'm walking around angry at everyone all the time? We need to release that. What's beautiful about our community is that we have so much support. We have mental health professionals who can help, that the Lord has given them wisdom and the discernment to help counsel. We have amazing pastors who will sit and will listen and will walk with us. Our small group leaders are there to do life with us and study with us. We are not alone. It is here that the presence of the Lord abides. And if we allow him, and if we allow ourselves to realize that everywhere we go, because we are the church, the presence of the Lord abides. A.W. Tozer once said, you are only as filled with the Spirit as you allow yourself to be. And that shook me to my core. While we are in the presence of the Lord, will I allow myself to be filled? Or am I going to keep hold of all my anguish, all my resentment, all my frustration in my chest so much that he cannot fill me up? Hannah was open. She was vulnerable. She was releasing everything that she had at the feet of her Lord. Let us not be quick to judge the way that Eli was. Because I have been guilty of that, or that, oh my goodness, what is that person doing? But that is not what the Lord is calling us for. The Lord is calling us to pray with one another, the way that Eli prayed with Hannah. He is, in, he is calling us to bless one another. It is in his perfect presence that there is freedom, understanding, and clarity. And what a blessing is it that we get to hold a space for the Lord in our lives. One thing that we have that Hannah did not have is Jesus. It is because of Jesus' sacrifice that we are able to rest in his presence at any moment, at any time. On the bus, at work, at school, in our homes, even though our homes may be broken. In our church, even though we are an imperfect people, the Lord's presence is still there because of the Jesus' sacrifice. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to believe in his power. He wants us to trust in his goodness. And he wants us to find rest in his presence. As we begin to close, the good news is that if you are tired and you are burdened, there is rest for you. There is rest for you in the presence of the Lord.
If you are full of resentment and anguish, there is rest for you in the presence of the Lord. If you are depressed and burdened, there is rest for you in the presence of the Lord. Or if you are filled with grief and are tired of holding it all on your shoulders, there is rest in the presence of the Lord. If you are lonely and anxious, there is rest for you in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is calling us to be with him, to commune with him, to exist with him. The Lord wants to show us his power. He wants to show us his goodness. He wants us to experience his presence fully. Jesus has allowed us to freely enter into his presence. He is with us at all times, inviting us into communion with him always. Maybe you are someone who has never experienced the power of the Lord fully. You have never seen it. You don't really know what it looks like. I want to invite you to the altar today. I want to pray with you a prayer of faith that the Lord reveal himself to be the personal, powerful, and almighty God that he is. Maybe you know that God is powerful, but you are wrestling with his goodness in your life. You don't see it. You don't understand what life is right now, and you may be confused as to what's going on. Your heart may be heavy and again filled with this anguish and resentment. There is freedom for you today. We want to pray with you so that you may receive healing, hope, perseverance, and strength in the midst of your storm. That you may receive peace, trusting in God's goodness. Maybe you're tired and you haven't found rest in months, in years. That you're walking around with the trauma of your childhood. That you're walking around with the weight of your work. That you're walking around with relationship issues. That you are just tired. Tired of being tired, tired of being angry, tired of being tired. There is rest for you today. I want to invite you to find rest in the presence of the Lord that you don't need to keep running and hiding and suppressing. That there is rest in the presence of the Lord. He is inviting you to experience his freedom, ex inviting you to experience his fullness, inviting you to lay at his feet, lay on his chest and breathe in peace. Maybe you don't know Jesus, or maybe you're far from Jesus. I want to recommit your life to him. I want to invite you to the altar today to take that bold step to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Jesus, the God who is powerful. Jesus, the God who is good. Jesus, the God who brings you rest. Jesus is who gives us power. It is Jesus' power that allows us to believe in his goodness. It is because of his sacrifice that we are able to rest in his presence. At this time, the altar is open for you to worship. Worship with your prayer, worship with your song, no matter what it looks like, if it's ugly, if it's peaceful, 
Whatever you have to offer, the Lord wants to receive it. The Lord did not reject Hannah's prayer. The Lord will not reject yours. Bring all that you have as an act of worship unto the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.